Welcome to FIC Focus, where Bloomberg Intelligence fixed income, credit currency, and commodities strategists and analysts discuss their short and long-term views on debt markets and issuers. Now, here's the Bloomberg Intelligence FIC research team. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the second episode of Credit Crunch, part of the FICC Focus podcast umbrella. I am Mahesh Bimalingam. Chief European Credit Strategist at Bloomberg Intelligence. And I'm joined by Paul Mehta, Head of Leverage Loans at Aberdeen. Uh, he's part of the Leverage Finance Group uh, and the Greater Credit Team at Aberdeen. And today's topic is Leverage Loan Outlook uh, to 2023. We did publish an, uh, a recent uh, document on that, which will be, we'll be using it as a as the bedrock of this discussion, and we'll be doing it in a Q&A format, both of us giving our views. So, welcome, Paul. Thank you, Mahesh. Thank you for having me, and hello to you, and hello to the audience. So, Paul, uh, leverage loans, you know, they clearly haven't had as bad a run in uh, 2022, when the rest of the world actually had an absolute disaster. But even in loans, we saw prices collapse from about 98 to 88 uh they've recovered right now to about 91 ish uh what do you think do you think uh there is more price upside from now yeah i think let's just quickly look at last year and how that manifested itself um initially in the early part of the year i think people were investors were getting quite uh, excited about the fact that it's floating rate rates discussion, even if they hadn't actually happened at that point, were, were turning more kind of to rate rises. And so people seeing it as a floating rate product. Then I think the pace and steepness of the rate moves started concerning people from a cash flow perspective. A lot of these borrowers have maybe unhedged or all floating rate capital structures. So that then fed into kind of the market drawdown that we saw in loans what so so that was kind of an interesting kind of year of two halves on that element of it also i think what dampened some of the volatility and the drawdown we saw in some longer duration products was the fact that the majority buyer of this product uh, in europe and in actually the us is clos which is essentially closed-ended money so you didn't have that kind of retail flows really pushing prices down so as you know you know it was a negative year for leverage loans last year um, that's the first time since 2008, when I think it was over 20%. Um, and it's a very consistent provider normally. So that's the first negative year we've had. I think going forward, a lot of the attributes that I just mentioned would mean that actually we're probably going to move back to somewhat a bit more of a normal range um, in terms of floating rate, more locked up money facing it. Um, clearly, we're going to have macro headwinds like any other uh, borrower. But I think, to me, it's going to be a bit more navigable. Um, so we're thinking not too far, actually, from, from what you've published, a 3% positive return for the year, I think makes sense. Um, I don't really think probably the loan market, you're going to see more and more bifurcation. So as you rightly said, the index is around 91 at the moment, but I think you're going to see some credits really kind of pull away from that, um, uh, who are maybe double B rated, maybe in more defensive industries. 
and then you're going to see some credits really hit hit the hit the buffers. Unfortunately, um, I think probably more post earning season that we have coming up. So just for the benefit of our audience, it's very important that we uh, we take note of the interesting duration aspect for loans versus high yield. For example, the high yield we are looking at about three and a half duration. Remember, spread duration and rates duration are the same for high yield, but for loans that is not the case. For loans, the rates duration is probably about a quarter of a quarter of an year. Because if you are looking at your three month Euribor products, uh, while the spread duration is typically about you know three ish years, it is assuming that the typical loan gets called in that time. So that is going to make a big difference, even in two thousand twenty three. Because the direction of the Bund uh, is still quite uncertain, especially depends on the European uh, inflation and uh, recession outlook. And on the back of it, you've got QT. The ECB is not going to be reinvesting in, uh, in quite a few of the redeeming uh, corporate bonds in their portfolio. Uh, so that is going to lead to uh, a reduction in the demand that we had in 2022. So that trickle down will happen more in high yield, but less so in loans. I think loans are far away from that dynamic. Uh, so as Paul said, we did publish that, you know, we are looking at about uh, three and a quarter, three and a half percent uh, returns because we believe that, uh, you know, loan spreads will probably be constant or even slightly tighter. Uh, we have a very benign default outlook uh, in the sense uh, we, you know, when we map high yield onto leverage loans, we don't. We publish that it's not going to be different in say in the sense for high yield currently at zero. We thought it will go to one percent. I think loans being typically better quality assets. Uh, we expected one. Uh, we'll get back to Paul's view on that. In terms of distress, I mean Paul, I think has more data on this. It, if you look at high yield, the high yield distress and stress is at about 17, 18 percent right now. Uh, stress is about four and a half ish percent. So, what do you think, Paul, for uh, loans? Uh, where is loan stress and loan distress? So, one thing to be very conscious of um, in loans is in, in the past 15 years, particularly in Europe, you've had uh, COV light issuance. So, you basically don't have maintenance covenants, which are quarterly checks on things like ebook or tests. And that used to lead to defaults, triggers, and restructurings. You don't have that. So optically, uh, and in reality, defaults have been very benign. So I think last year it was 0.7% in uh, the European Leverage Loan Index. Um, this year, we think it's going to be higher. Um, I think probably a little bit higher than maybe you've, you, you're rounding on about a 1%. We're thinking maybe more 2 um, We think uh, there is some stress within the system. You know, average leverage is about kind of 5.7 times given rate rises. You're going to have some additional interest burden and, and, and that playing through. But what we really look for for a more timely pulse on stress in the market is what's trading below eight, eight, 80 uh, cents in the euro. And if you look at that, it's about 7% and growing at the moment. It's grown very quickly. So that doesn't immediately is a, not a straight line to to default, but that will uh, imply some stress. So we think in sectors, you probably would be unsurprised to hear 
consumer durables, some of the tech uh, elements um, and, and cons- other consumer facing industries uh, are prime for where these these probably stresses are going to emerge and probably mesh in some of the smaller cap businesses, which is probably a little bit more where the leverage loan market lends to high yield tends to be larger cap or mid and larger cap. So we think smaller cap, maybe loan only challenged industries, you're going to see some actual defaults. Um, long-term average for, for leverage loans, if you look at um, certain rated agencies which have done 25-year studies, is I think it's 3, 3.17% over a 20-25 year period. We think we get towards that. We don't think we go over that. We think that You're the, talking about returns? Yeah. No, we're talking about defaults. 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 Okay. Yeah. Um, we think a peak in defaults probably happens in 24, 25, where there's a bit more of a maturity wall or material maturity wall. So um, I think for this year, you need to be certainly nimble, but we don't see immediate spike in defaults, actually, like you're suggesting, but it's certainly elevated from the very low levels it's at the moment. We agree. Uh, loans versus bonds, 2023, well, which one will do better? As a diehard loans person, it's going to pay me to say uh, high yield, I think. So we talked about European leverage loans returning about 3%. Um, I think that feels about right. High yield, it feels at least, uh, you know, 150, maybe 200 basis points more. So four and a half, five percent 5% return. Interestingly, as well, if you look at the cohorts from a rating perspective, actually, and let's just stick to the index to keep it relatively simple, High yield has a much better quality, much more double Bs than actually loans here and definitely more than in the US. So from a ratings perspective, certainly uh, you're looking at a higher quality in in high yields. Let's see how that plays out. Um, And we think returns will be better. Um, But if you reminded and, you know, we're always as investors trying to look through one over one year lenses to longer, longer time periods, obviously, High yield had a very negative 10 plus percent return last year. So it feels right um, that it should be kind of in a more positive territory. Overall, Mahesh, we think IG, which has probably gone some of the way already, although we're only third week in January, IG Euro credit probably leads the return. Uh, and then as you transition through the year, you probably go into some higher beta credits uh, in high yield and leverage loans. I Thank you, Paul. The key determinant this year in terms of bonds versus loans will be what happens on the rate side. Because uh, what you saw in investment grade and high yield last year was the excess return losses were very small. Yes, there were losses because spreads did widen, but bulk of the loss was rates. So this year, if you look at the boon forecast, whether it is by the forward market or whether it is through you know rate strategy forecasts, uh, across the street, it clearly it is showing a bull steepening view right now. And if you map that onto high yield, uh, you should see bonds beat loans, which is our published view. We see about you know high yield at around four and a half and loans at around three and a half. So about a hundred basis points difference, as Paul has just said. Yeah, I think um, one thing that will be interesting for this year and, and a real pulse will be supply. Mahesh, what do you think in terms of Loan and maybe we can touch on high yield because quite often they have um, similar kind of issues. What do you think in terms of supply dynamics volumes? Yeah, so if you look at uh, 2022, uh, supply I have to say across European markets, corporates, because they've all pre-funded, 
uh, and in certain markets like uh, high yield, you know, they've been actively called and refinanced before. Uh, there was no pressure to issue at all, given the big rate spike. And you saw literally supply die down, literally die down. When I say die down, zero gross, which means you had a negative net. So in high yield, you had negative net supply, record negative net supply. Uh, thankfully, in leverage loans, that was not the case. In leverage loans, because we got this underlying CLO bid and it is floating rate, so it doesn't cost as much as issuing a bond. We did see some good supply, although it was still down. So we saw we saw supply down about 66% from 2021. Uh, we had 38 billion euros of issuance. And bulk of the drop was from both M&A as well as from non-M&A. When I say non-M&A, we are talking about recaps, refinancing and general corporate usage. So 38 billion euros last year, a big drop from the 100 plus that we saw the year before. Yeah, uh, and we do believe that next year issuance will improve. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that view. What I have been looking for, and we've seen some of this already. There were certain credits that that did it in the back end of last year. Um, names like Sevier, if you know that um, health focused business, that did amend and extends, and I think that will be a large feature of the loan supply. So basically, this is extending maturity. Um, investors typically get a, a, an interesting OID, attractive OID, and a margin increase. Now, that's good, and you take each situation as it is, see how the, the credit's evolved, and are you getting paid for the risk, as we always do. What I've been concerned about is there's been some portability through in those A&E um, uh, deals, transactions, where the covenants that were baked in 2018, 19, 20, 21 are, are being pushed through. So you still have these weak covenants. And so that's Covlight and actually kind of uh, distribution dividends allowed, etc. So what I'm looking for is, is people to focus more on that. And that's certainly something we will try and do. Um, I think, as I mentioned before, leverage generically in the market, you're talking about 5.7 times here, and I'm concentrating on the loan market. We see that coming down a little bit. It has been a trend that it's been coming down anyway during 2022 and 21. Um, so that probably comes down on average, I would say half a turn maybe. Um, also, more equity. So at the moment, you on average, you're getting about 40, 45% equity checks in, in the businesses. Sponsors are going to have to be cognizant of um, investors' concerns, and maybe that equity slice goes up a little bit. So it should be a little bit more conservative structured, which feels right for the macro backdrop. Um, one thing I think I want to mention was ESG, Mahesh, Loans isn't always known as being kind of maybe always the leading edge in certain financing circles. But here, I think actually we we have stolen a march on some other credit products. Um, what do I mean by that? So 30% of the market now has ESG ratchets. So these are margin ratchets that are facing ESG KPIs that are independently tested. So quarter on quarter, they're tested by an independent um, arbiter, which affects the cost of capital circa, you know, plus minus 10 basis points on your margin. So it, it makes the corporate very aligned to making sure that they're, they're, they're really uh, focusing on ESG, which we see as very, um, very important and important to us all. Um, I'd be remiss when we're talking about supply, we've touched, touched on high yield and we're talking about loans, but direct lending, 
obviously very hot market for the last kind of two, three years. I think it's here to stay. Uh, it overlaps more with high yield. They're probably looking at more larger cap businesses. Arguably, is it still direct lending? That's probably for another podcast, Mesh. But what I would say is they are liquid products. And I felt you got paid for the illiquidity and slightly more aggressive um, leverage. Yes, you probably got a bit more covenant provision. I don't think that's the case. So um, personally, if I was uh, looking across the whole leverage scheme, um, I would looking be looking more to leverage loans and, and high yield in terms of risk return and liquidity. So at the moment, just to kind of pull it all together, you're getting about 8% yield for a kind of new issue uh, level loan, European level loan deal, and margins of about 520. Yeah. Now, on the covenant topic, uh, we would like to point out that as supply dried, the covenant light percentage got to near 100%. It was like about 97, 98. But just to g- give you an idea, last four years, the average is above 90%. So it is not like it's never been below 90. So we do believe that the covenant light percentage will drop. Uh, this year in 2023, uh, but I think uh, you know you're still going to have more than 90% cover, you know, covenant light. Which the positive side effect of it is probably you will have less restructurings and less companies, you know, falling foul of maintenance covenants. Yeah, and this is a topic that comes up, and 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 to step back a little bit and look at the world lens, the US has been covlight. Um, we've only been covlight effectively in the last 10, 15 years. The US has been Covlight for probably 20, 25 years, the US level low market, I should say. So um, it's a bit of tough love, but I don't think our market's ever going back to being a covenant heavy market. That's just not going to happen. What it does has meant is there's more issuers. Wouldn't, so, you, wouldn't you think that, you know, given the serious economic uncertainty in 2023, wouldn't you think that investors, loan investors, CLO, I mean, CLO buyers, would ask for more covenants this time, maintenance. Yeah, I think there will be, uh, like you're saying on Covlight issue, I think there will be a little bit of moves there, maybe in the smaller cats and more challenged industries. But I just, definitely it's something that's banged on the table and asked every time, every deal, every transaction. Uh, but I just can't say, I'd love to see it, but I just don't think it's probably going to move that way. What it does give you has been a huge growth in the market. If you look back to 2015, European leverage loans probably about 100 billion. It's now close to 400 billion. So what I would say is it gives you, we've got a wider stock selection now. So, yeah, it it, it has allowed that growth in the market because it's been a more competitive financing option for financial directors, bankers, lawyers, etc. But as investors, of course, yes, we'd always like covenants. I feel the distress ratio is important to, to, to look at and obviously just fundamental credit analysis uh, should should, uh, win you out. So in terms of uh, Mahesh, um, in terms of uh, spreads and and, uh, what what do you think kind of for for loans uh, going forward? So uh, Paul has mentioned that a typical uh, loan is coming out with about 500 basis points, uh, you know, margin. The issue with that is, you know, we're not including the OED. Yep. Because there are quite a few loans coming up with OID. So once you build that OID, discounting the OID over three years, so we can bake in effectively a new issue overall spread. And that is about 630 base points right now. Uh, We hit about, you know, 700-ish when the market was really tight, not many issuers. 
people had to pay a lot of premium. Uh, that 700 has come to 630. It's been coming down. I do believe that this new issue spread will come down. There will be less OID, hopefully, uh, for the issuer. Uh, so we probably will probably get there to about 600, which means a quoted margin probably of 450-ish, right? Uh, but that still shows you that loans at issuance are still paying quite a hefty premium. And this is over Eurobar, by the way. And as the ECB goes through its hiking cycle, you're going to get paid more and more on the Eurobar. Yeah. So overall, you'll probably still be looking at like, uh, I think that the loan spread compression will probably be cancelled out by the Eurobar increase. Yeah. And you still be getting an 8% new issue overall. Yeah, uh, I, Copan, you agree? I, I agree. I think probably a little bit of compression in spreads, like you said, 620 now, maybe year end 600. Um, and I think it's important we don't, we're focusing on loans, but you can't look at loans in a bubble or high yield. And if we talk about high yield spreads, I think we agree with, I, I saw something in, in, in your um, outlook about spreads being flat for the year. Um, I think I would agree with that. Uh, also, so. 500 at a moment, year end for high yield, maybe 500 as well. So 100%, 100 basis points difference between high yield and lows kind of makes sense to me. I do think you'll have a much more, I don't know what you think, a much more uh, volatile ride in high yield. I mean, the delta there from the 500 yeah. to 500 is much I, bigger. I, I agree. You need to, as we pointed out right at the start, in high yield, it is not just about credit. It's also about rates because it's a fixed rate product. So... As uh, you know, we, we heard Jamie Dimon say, uh, the most volatile product is the risk-free right now. It's yeah. not equities, it's not credit, it's rates. Yeah. So if predicting where rates are going to end up is going to be a very difficult exercise in 2023 because how deep a recession, is there a recession, how much inflation, how much will the EC be able to control and hence how much will long-term inflation be priced. As of now, the market seems to be thinking that you're going to end up with a tighter bond, a steeper two stents in uh, euros. Uh, but who knows? And by the way, it is not going to be a smooth ride in rates. So as a result, high yield volatility will be a lot more. So we've clearly published that, you know, the loan three and a half, we have a lot more confidence. And also we, we do believe that the standard deviation of it monthly is going to be much less than in high yield. What, what do you think, putting you on the spot, the kind of delta, 500 to 500 now to year end, what do you think the the the, 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 the spread of the basis points? Oh, at least 100. Yeah. So I can easily see a 600 happening in the middle of the year. Uh, but similarly, I can also see a 400 if things go very rosy. So I may be wrong, uh, but I think I'm in the camp that I'll be wrong in total returns on the... Not wrong, I underestimate the high yield positive returns because there is a chance that if Europe does go into a slowdown slash recession, bond yields will tighten. Yeah. They will cancel the spread uh, widening and and then some. So I, that sounds sensible to me. I think for loans, as we talked about, it'd be a bit more of a, 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 a simpler trajectory um, for all the kind of features of loans, but also just the real movement, I think, for loans this year could be ratings downgrades. There'll be credit dispersion, but it will be ratings downgrades that move that market around. Of course, it needs a, a relatively supportive macro backdrop, um, but it won't be anywhere near as volatile as that. And 
we have much more locked up money facing the market. So you can kind of look through these kind of month on month Fed ECB meeting on ECB volatility with, with, with a loan, some of the loan investors, much which, less which, so. which won't be much less. Yeah. Now, you mentioned locked up money. I think that brings us to CLOs because CLOs are sort of the bedrock demand in loans, which bonds don't have. We don't have a CDO market. The CSO market in 2007 is dead now. So both investment grade and high yield don't have that. So if you look at CLOs, CLOs were effectively, I mean, from our data, what we see is CLOs were 94% of net loan supply. So when, when I say net loan supply, we are taking off gross loan supply. We are taking off refinancings, essentially new loan money. CLOs were 94% of it. So effectively, CLOs drove uh, loan issuance. What do you think will be the CLO bid next year? And how much of that will filter into loan supply? I think it will be similar, probably not as strong or not as high a percentage as we saw in 2022. It's always been a driver of the market. So, you know, historically 60% here, maybe a touch less in the US. And we can go into the US market in a little bit, which uh, means that behaves differently. But the arbitration still works, which, you know, for, for the audience sake, I'm sure a lot of people know, but is the all-in cost of capital of the CLO structure and what your underlying collateral gives you back, which is the leverage loans. And at the moment, you know, that cost of capital is just over 300 base points, about 315. Um, and loan spreads, as we talked about, around about 600. So that kind of gap of 300 circa works. You know, there's a lot of raise the money, put these structures together. So it's not without effort and structure and view on the market. Um, so, yeah, I think it works at the moment. The pricing, which is quite often used, um, is a AAA tranche, which is the majority of the capital structure. And that's moved from 97, about 12 months ago, to 200 now. Um, there's ones that have been printed recently at 200. So, but all in, it works. So I think it will be a big driver. Um, it allows that kind of longer viewpoint and it allows bankers and underwriting houses to have a bit more of a dialogue where they know the money's going to be there. Um, the point to point in, in, in bringing a loan, leverage loan to market is much longer than a high yield issuance, which the window is shorter in the market and actually through the capital markets process. And it's a best efforts basis. It's not banks underwriting the risk largely, unless there's a bridge. So that has that all hangs together. So I think that we we could see issuance this year up to kind of, um, I think about 60 billion, maybe in, in, in leverage loans in Europe. Um, the record was 21, which I think was probably double that. Yes. Um, yep. So yeah, that, that makes sense to me. And um, what we, what we're seeing is there is some innovation in CLOs, more bond buckets. So traditionally, it's been ten percent. Maybe that moves between ten and twenty percent. Uh, maybe ability to do a little bit more in not their home currency. Largely, it's euros in Europe, obviously. Um, so that that actually I think is pleasing. It's good to have non-CLO investors in the market as well because you don't want everyone investing in a similar sort of way. Um, so that I always encourage and think is a good thing that you have non-traditional loans investors, uh, mutual kind of loan investors, hedge funds, etc. I think it's good to have a diverse base. But yes, it will drive the market, Matt. Yeah. So last year, it is effectively all CLO. 
94%. So we do, we uh, we also agree that there will be more non-CLO investors. And the AUB, despite the rally in the last two months, is still uh, 320 plus. Yeah. So even if it, we do believe that the, the arbitrage can probably get down to even 250, it will still work. Yeah. It will still work. So that concludes our podcast uh, today on leverage loans. I hope you all enjoyed it. Uh, for all terminal uh, uh, listeners, you have our Leverage Loan Outlook uh, publication available on the terminal, uh, both on our dashboard and on our uh, and on my bio. Uh, for, for and all these Leverage Loan data that we've mentioned, uh, me and Paul have mentioned, everything is on the dashboard. B i s t r t e, and there is a separate Leverage Loan module, and you can access that uh, for free if you are a terminal customer. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, thank you, Paul. Thank you very much. Really for, enjoyed it. For being part of our Credit Crunch podcast. And see you all next time in the next episode of Credit Crunch. Thank you.